Well, that wasn't very fun, was it? Vikings lose 24 to 7 in a game that felt a little more like 38 to 7. Let's break it down, cry our tears, lick our wounds all together on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to ten times your money on your entry. First-time users can receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to hundred bucks with promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com or the app promo code Locked On. All right, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna <laughs> bask in this one nearly as much as we basked in the, in last week. You want to know why? Because it won't feel as good, and nobody can make us do stuff that doesn't feel good. Vikings lose twenty-four to seven against the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night. Total drubbing. I mean, it twenty-four doesn't feel like it's that bad on defense, and they did turn it around. They didn't give up any points in the second half, which for the math whizzes out there means they give up 24 points in the first half and it was a total catastrophe. Uh, a lot of stuff was a catastrophe in this game. This feels a little bit like a burn the tape kind of game. It's just everything was a mess. It was all wrong, you know, to, to the point where like, what, what can you learn? There are things we can learn and we'll, we'll go over things. There are things the Vikings can learn. I'm sure they'll go have their film day and then they'll move on. They'll start preparing for the lions. But if you missed it, you're lucky. Uh, it basically started out with an opening drive. Eagles marched down and scored. Um, then the Vikings busted a coverage to go down 14-0. They actually did go uh, score a touchdown to Irv Smith. Irv Smith got a touchdown in this game. Irv Smith had a very weird day. We will get into it. Um, but he did get a touchdown. And then uh, the Vikings offense, they had that. And then the other three of their first four drives, first four drives, one of them was a touchdown. The other ones were three and outs. Or four and outs, if you count. There was one face mask penalty that gave them a first down, but they like didn't earn any first downs in their first four drives, except for the touchdown drive. It was awful. They had a lot of three and outs. And then Kirk Cousins imploded. Uh, coming out of halftime, it was 24 to 7, which many people pointed out was the same halftime score as the 2017 NFC Championship game, which two more touchdowns and we would be experiencing art. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just would be so absurd. But that didn't happen. The Eagles kind of got in their own way a little bit. The Vikings pulled some things together, uh, and they managed to keep the Eagles scoreless in the second half, which is one half of the thing you would need to do to make a comeback if you go into halftime down 24-7. to seven. But your offense has to score, and this is where the real problems started to go. I mean, the, the Vikings had, had the Eagles had one true scoring opportunity, which was a field goal that got blocked by Patrick Peterson screaming off the edge and almost returned for a touchdown by Chris Boyd. He got run down by the punter. We don't have to talk about it. <laughs> and then uh, Kirk Cousins threw an interception. 
And then the Eagles had another miscue. They had a screen pass go off of a receiver's hands and land directly into the lap of Jordan Hicks, returned uh, down to like the nine. And then Kirk Cousins threw an interception. There were three interceptions total in this game. I believe all of them occurred in the red zone or at least near it. And that was about that. The Vikings walk away with seven points, a real pathetic outing. And we all lick our wounds and go home. But the Eagles controlled this game from start to finish. They controlled both sides of the trenches. Um, Justin Jefferson couldn't get open. Adam Thielen couldn't get open. KJ Osborne couldn't get open. Uh, Herb Smith was targeted twice on shallow crossers, neither of which he was open. He was covered really tight, and the guy made a, uh, he got no separation. Guy made a good play. Not sure those should have been thrown, but I'll reserve that judgment until I can really look at it. And then, of course, there was one deep, deep pass where Irv Smith actually got behind the coverage, and it was a perfect, beautiful rainbow throw from Kirk Cousins, and Irv Smith dropped it. Just brutal. Total Troy Williamson, you had a touchdown drop. Um, Absolutely brutal stuff. But he did get another good 15-yard catch, Irv Smith, and he had a couple of good blocks in the game. So really like an up-and-down game for Irv Smith. But the drop is just brutal. That's basically the story of the game. If you missed this one, you now get it. The The Vikings got shredded on defense early. They pulled it together, I guess. But also there was game situation and the Eagles got really conservative because all they really needed needed to do was kill the clock. Um, and then they made some miscues. You know, they had some turnovers and the, the, then the Vikings offense couldn't capitalize. But here's the deal. If those red zone opportunities turned into 17 points, two touchdowns and a field goal, which isn't that crazy to ask in the red zone. If they could just be like above average enough to go 17 points, it would have been a tie game. That's the thing that is going to stick with me, I think, about this game. You get behind, they didn't come out doing what you thought they were going to do. They, they, they're they a very good team. You couldn't get any pressure on Hurts at all. Um, and the problems with the defense, I'll get into it a little bit more, but the defense had all kinds of problems, but the defense found, figured it out short up a little bit and the offense had opportunities to get them back in and failed. But that's the thing about a game like this where everybody failed. Cause I'm not saying the defense actually had a good game. Like they did not, you cannot say the defense was like secretly good, but you can't say the offense was good either. You, you can't say that every single thing is Kirk Cousins's fault. You can't say none of it is. And I think that's what what I really want you to take away is I, I see a lot of the discussion about this is like, well, you know, yeah, Kirk Cousins had this problem, but look at the pressure on him or look at all the drops. There were a ton of drops. You know, look at all this. Well, what about the defense? Well, what about that? I don't care. <laughs> if, if It depends on what question you're answering, right? If you want to say who gets the biggest piece of the blame pie, I don't know, I'll go with Ed Donatel, followed closely by Kirk Cousins. Um, but... That's a subjective question. You can have your own answer to it, and I'm not going to argue with you. It's more, was Kirk Cousins good? Emphatic, no. Nobody can say Kirk Cousins was secretly good in this game, right? The best you can say is that he was bad, but it wasn't his fault, which starts with he was bad. He was bad in this game. Uh, Ed Donatel was awful in this game. Even though he shorted up later, it was far too little too late. Kevin O'Connell was bad in this game. No pre-snap motion, very little pre-snap motion. There were all kinds of problems on offense. The, the execution was off. The play calls were totally figured out. Um, the Eagles totally figured the Vikings out. That's on coaching. It's a lot on execution. Cam Bynum busted a coverage. Um, Cam Dantzler had issues. 
even though I thought he had a really nice game on the whole, but he played it really soft sometimes. Everybody had problems. Everybody has something to go back and fix. So it's one thing to say, okay, who do we blame for this? And that's a fan question that can be an interesting talker if you decide you find it interesting. But the really useful question to me is, what do you go fix? And everybody has an answer to that. And that sucks because it's a short week and all you can really do is lick your wounds and hope this doesn't happen to you again. But if you go home, you get drilled by the Lions and you're suddenly one and two, then we start hitting panic buttons, I think. Um, but hey, long way away from that. Got a whole nother game to play. So we're, we're going to dive into this a little bit more. We'll talk about it a little bit more tomorrow and then we'll shift to the Lions and uh, bury this one deep in the backyard and we will not tell the grandkids about it. <laughs> first things first, though. Let me talk to you about Turo. Turo is an online car sharing marketplace. So if you need a car temporarily, you can go to Turo.com and you can book a car wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. You can book a spacious SUV or something on a budget, or you can try an electric car out for a little while if that's what you're into. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply not just the super limited selection you would get at like a rental car joint. It's a, a little bit more intimate, a bigger selection. Uh, that's what Turo can do. So ditch the boring rental car and you can find your drive at Turo.com. Moving on with this sad breakdown of a very sad Vikings game. Uh, if you would like to get a little deeper into this kind of thing, deeper than we can get in what is mostly an audio medium, if you're watching on YouTube, hello, but th this is a podcast, and so I can only ever go so deep. If you want a little more, check me out on patreon.com slash NFL. I'll be doing tape breakdowns and sometimes just like thoughts and musings, um, and we'll try to get more to the crux of answers to questions, but I, I'll put out some hypotheses right now. So let's start with the defense, because I think the defense is more worth talking about. The offense is harder for me to answer because I don't entirely know what went wrong. I don't have a great understanding of it yet, and I want to get that before I really start talking. But the defense, it feels pretty straightforward. It was unbelievably vanilla. The Vikings sat back in a zone shell. The broadcast pointed it out a ton. They've got four guys all umbrellaing. The, by the, the broadcast called it shell coverage. Um, I think that might be an old word. Don't use shell coverage. That's the shell is not the right word. Uh, shell is like a coverage shell nowadays is every coverage. <laughs> every coverage is a coverage shell. A shell is a type like a cover six shell or a cover three shell. That's like if you ask Kirk Cousins what shell coverage is, he'll look at you like you have two heads. Um, so don't call it shell coverage. Umbrella coverage is a word that Greg Olson used week one. That's fine or something else. But uh, yeah, but that, that's what they were talking about. So four guys deep and on the roof and everybody else playing way, way deep. It felt like they played the entire game in what you would think of as like a prevent defense. It was really, really rough. Um, and so Jalen Hurts could throw uncontested. I think he had a career low amount of throws into a tight window. And he put up over 300 yards in the first half. It was absolutely pathetic. I mean, that that grinds my gears because it's, it's like watching a baseball player strike out looking without ever swinging at a pitch. Like, what do you even go out there for? If you're not going to try anything. What are you worried about? Getting out? What are you worried about? Losing? Giving up 300 yards and a half? 
What did you prevent? <laughs> like, I don't, it wasn't literally a prevent defense, but they, they split everything so deep. The landmarks were all so deep and so soft and they didn't pass off correctly. And they're still very sloppy at that. And that's something everybody's getting used to. Um, and that's going to be that way for a little while. You're not going to be good at that kind of thing overnight. This is the patience I preached going into the season. We have to be patient with this kind of thing. But in the meantime, you've got to have a, a poach safety or they call it a trick safety. You have to have a, like blitz any like do something <laughs> like it, it was unbelievably uncontested. And it's one thing if you just tried to man up and ah, Cam Dantzler got beat by A.J. Brown. That'll happen. He's good. OK. You you take that, you move on, but at least you tried. But they lost this game, and it feels like defensively they didn't try to win it. And I don't even think I'm being harsh by saying that. Like, that was just a really bad game plan. And I, I hate that soft zone coverage thing. If you're going to play zone match, freaking match. Get up on a guy. Like, ah, I could rant about it forever. It's so... it It drives me nuts in the same way it probably drove you nuts when Mike Zimmer lost to Cooper Rush last year or the Lions game last year, that Lions drive where they all dinked and dunked, you know, nine yards down the field over over two minutes. And then they actually had like seven end zone shots by the end because Zimmer played it so soft. He didn't prevent anything. It, it, it was a very scared game. And like, I, you know, Devonta Smith and AJ Brown, those, those are good players. Dallas Goddard, those are good players. I get like giving them respect, but like, you can't play scared of them. You played yourself right into a loss. The Eagles threw on air today. It's That's inexcusable. You cannot let the Eagles throw on air that way and expect at any point any ability to win the game. And that means the boxes were all super light, so they ran it down our throats like crazy. I'm furious with Ed Donatel. There, there's some understandable stuff out there. There was an interception from Kirk Cousins. I'll get to it that like Justin Jefferson kind of did the wrong thing and he was right to trust it. And that's okay. It's like there's understanding, but Donatel needs to answer. I, the press, his presser hopefully does a presser this week. Better be fire. Like he better come out and, and, and have some accountability because the way he called this game was utterly inexcusable. You cannot ever call a game like that again that you just guarantee a loss. You guarantee a 350-yard half. Just disgusting. Look, we got to address the elephant, other elephant in the room because I do think Ed Donatel is like the 1A person I'm maddest at here. But Kirk Cousins did some stuff that I haven't seen him do since 2018. Uh, and I'm real worried about it. So let's get into that next. Uh, but first, let me talk to you about prize picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. I don't like daily fantasy. I don't like the building up like a big roster, like a whole fantasy roster when really I got like one or two takes. That's kind of what I want to play with. That's what what prize picks is for. You just pick your like two to five players, whether they get more than or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money. Will Kirk Cousins throw more than or less than two interceptions? That kind of thing. Uh, more than in this one. <laughs> uh, you can find that at prizepicks.com or the prize picks app. And if you enter promo code locked on, you will get a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. That means if you give 100 bucks, you get 100 bucks just from Prize Picks, just for entering the promo code. Once again, that's PrizePicks.com or the Prize Picks app. Promo code locked on. All right, are we all ready to have a Kirk Cousins conversation? Probably not. Let's have one anyway. <laughs> so uh, this is a rough one for Kirk Cousins. He did not deny it. He shouldn't have denied it. 
three interceptions, one touchdown. Uh, I don't think he was successful once over 10 yards, maybe like a couple times. I mean, I don't have to tell you statistically, like, I, I think Arizona actually put put out a thing that said up until the third quarter, this was his worst statistical performance of his career. Just a dreadful Kirk Cousins game. So what happened, right? And this is the part where people get really weird because, like, Kirk Cousins is a polarizing figure. I mean, he's a central figurehead. He's a quarterback, right? He gets all the attention and all the debate. So people really dig their heels in on this. And here's where I'm going to be. If you're a person who's a big fan of Kirk Cousins, you think he totally can win a Super Bowl if he just gets the right pieces and you've been that kind of person for a few years, you don't have to give that up to admit that this game was cheeks because this one was bad. Uh, And like it doesn't undermine your entire worldview to admit that this was a bad one. You can have a bad, good quarterbacks can have a bad one. He's, you put this in the sample, it might affect your opinion a little bit, right? It can sway it as much as any single game can. But you got to put this one in the sample, right? You got to say, okay, this was a bad one and it goes in the bad bucket. And then at the end of the year, we'll look how many are in there and see if we have a problem with that, right? This one goes in the bad bucket. And what I've seen a lot of from other media and on social media and stuff is the the debate being like, well, was it Kirk's fault or not, right? And I sort of alluded to this at the show, at the beginning of the show. But like, People will say, well, you know, Kirk Cousins didn't get bust a coverage and give up a 51-yard touchdown. You know, Kirk Cousins didn't drop a big, long pass. Like, he threw that one perfectly. He didn't do that. He can't do everything, right? And it's true. Yeah, those things are not his fault, right? Um, and there we have exercised a skill where we can watch a play, see that it had a result that is poor for the Vikings, and then suss out whose fault it is. We can do that. And sometimes the answer can be Kirk Cousins. It's okay. And But I've seen a lot of, like, a lot of talk about whose fault this or that is. But when it comes to Kirk Cousins is, well, is the entire game solely on him? No. Well, then I guess we just kind of have to stick our thumbs up our butts. Like we, we don't have to do that. We can ask instead of asking, Hey, was this game Kirk Cousins's fault? Cause I don't think that's a helpful question. It's going to be some blame pie and he gets whatever piece of it he gets. And we can argue about how big the piece is or isn't, but like that, that's not a useful question to me, a useful question. Okay. Was Kirk cousins good? No. Why wasn't he good? Well, Irv Smith dropping that pass is not why he wasn't good. And let's talk about the interception now. Cause that's also not why he wasn't good. The, the first interception, both he and Justin Jefferson have confirmed Troy Aikman explained it well on the broadcast. Um, it was in the red zone. Jefferson was running like a little post route. And Kirk expected him to flatten it out to like kind of run a little bit more side to side. He would have caught it on about the goal line, but uh, Jefferson deepened it. He tried to kind of backdoor it and get past it that way. It was a little bit of an improvisational move. Kirk Cousins wasn't on the same page, so he threw it, and Darius Slay was jumping the route. Darius Slay gets the interception. That was a decent throw to throw, and and Slay might have made a play on the ball, but I don't mind testing that. I mean, it's Justin Jefferson, right? And the way that I've been doing this is the way I've been doing it on Patreon. I think it's a good question to ask. What's the note? If you're the QB coach, what do you tell Kirk Cousins to prevent that one from happening in the future? If, if it's your job to work with, it's not your job to work with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson messed that up. He admitted it. Everybody confirmed it. That one's on Justin. But you're not the wide receiver coach. You're the QB coach. What do you tell Kirk? Trust Justin Jefferson less? That's probably what you would have to tell him to prevent that one from happening. And I certainly don't want to have 
don't want to tell him that. So that one doesn't go into my Kirk bucket. That, that one's on someone else and, and we can move it, right? But then there was, for example, the third interception, the final one. Um, unblocked rushers coming at Kirk Cousins. He totally b- nukes his footwork, backs off, throws it off his back foot, and he basically throws what should be a fade about five yards short of where a fade should land. It should be landing on the pylon. It landed in the middle of the end zone. Easy pick. That's the kind of thing you can't have. And that's what I really noticed from Kirk Cousins in this one. He got rattled. He got, there was some messy pocket stuff going on. They had some blitzes that weren't picked up properly and every O-line is going to have their thing. I didn't really catch who was responsible for what. I caught like one on Cleveland, who I actually thought had a pretty good day. I caught one on Ed Ingram. Um, And that was kind of the only ones that I really saw live. So I'll have to get back to you on like who is at fault in the offensive line. But there was pressure. Okay. Um, Pressure can't cause you to become a panic guy, though. And in this one, and I I haven't seen Kirk do this since 2018 against Buffalo. Kirk panicked. I remember the two double fumbles, uh, the, the two fumbles in the first part of that Bills game, that stunner where we lost, I think it was 27 to six. That was the first time I really saw Kirk Cousins just like try to improvise and like totally chaos flip fumble, right? Um, and he took a strip sack or something like that, like totally just like dissolve under pressure. And I didn't see that a lot throughout. Like he do it was he would get conservative, he would check down too much, or he would do something like pressure would affect him negatively. Um, like it affects any quarterback negatively. I think it affects him more than it affects other quarterbacks, but like it wouldn't become a panic. And tonight we saw genuine, like, you're not thinking straight. There was, you know, declining an open read and then throwing a dumb screen and the screen doesn't go right. Like, the timings were off. The reads were off. You can kind of tell when a guy's in the rhythm of a game. And I know this is not, like, a really measurable thing. Um, but you can kind of tell, like, when a when a quarterback, like, Last week, Kirk Cousins was in the rhythm of the game. Everything was making sense to him. You could see what he was reading. He was making his reads properly. In this one, it felt like Kirk Cousins stopped reading it, and he was just sort of playing on feel. And that can be really cool if you're Patrick Mahomes, (laughs) but not if you're Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins doesn't have the playing on feel gene, and he can't do that. Um, He's a thinker, and I hate that he doesn't have the the feel gene. I I wish we had a quarterback for that, but we don't. He's a thinker, and it felt like he stopped thinking and started panicking. And it led to, honestly, like, take the one Justin Jefferson interception out. The other two seemed like they were pretty clearly his fault. Don't quote me on that. I'll I'll go confirm or deny. Um, but even if like, there were, like, four other plays that should have been interceptions that weren't, that were panicky, floating them up. There were a couple of floaters to Adam Thielen that ended up complete, but they were, like, absolutely like it's the kind of thing that a place like pff would chart as an interceptable pass and they were just like unwise passes um and like you can't do that and so now you're at this crossroads and this is where it's going to be really difficult for kevin o'connell this is the situation that we hired him to be good at navigating these waters because now he just came off a total stinker and he was panicky and he was he didn't go into the like when that sort of pressure rattled brain thing happens, um, a, a lot of times Kirk Cousins would turtle. He would turn into like a check down maven. He would turn, he would, you know, take the the first read every single time, just finding safe completions and not really caring if they got enough yards or not, not really being situational. He would just like 
tunnel focus in on where do I get a completion? All he wants is a completion. Um, He didn't do that. He still was trying to go find the play. And I don't want to lose that mentality in him. But how do you get that to become a resiliency? And, And this is where I'll end things. What I did not see in this team as a whole, Kirk Cousins, but the defense, everybody, I did not see resiliency. They got down, all right? You get punched in the mouth. It's going to happen over the course of the season. You're going to get down. You're going to get a get a, a deficit. And they kind of packed it in. I didn't see fire. I didn't see fight. And that kind of pisses me off, you know? Zimmer always had those guys fighting. They'd be down 35 to 7, and they'd still go down and like, they, oh, we're going to go get a touchdown just for pride, damn it. And I, that's always, there's something respectable about that. And it can lead to things like, remember that 20-point comeback a couple years ago against the Broncos? A team that behaves the way that this team behaved tonight can't make that. They got a couple of lucky breaks. They even got an opportunity to do it, but they were never going to do it because it felt a little bit like they packed it in. There was a touchdown from uh, Jalen Hurts that was a, a scramble touchdown. And he was dead to rights at like the eight and he pushed and he juked and he like danced his way through and he bowled over. I think it was Bynum and Peterson and Harrison Smith, three different DBs on a quarterback. And he bowled you over to get a touchdown. Like it was this great grit play and it's going to go on all the big Eagles highlight reels. And it's like the defining moment of their season. You know, if they win the Super Bowl, that's going to be like in the America's game episode. And you'd definitely are going to deserve to be on the wrong end of that highlight reel. And that felt like a team that just let up before the whistle. It felt a little bit like they kind of, they didn't, they weren't looking to hit the quarterback, you know, they weren't looking to be physical. They were just sort of, the game was just sort of happening around them. And I saw a lot of instances, way too many instances of players just not playing through the whistle, play through the damn whistle. Come on. This is high school stuff. You get chewed out by your physics teacher for doing that. Play through the whistle. And there wasn't a physicality. You know, They weren't trying to get the energy. The Eagles had the energy the whole time. They were lighting things up and they were jumping up and down and flexing and all. And the, the body language was just so sleepy. I, I tweeted after last week's game that the Vikings have these really cool like beach vibes where, yeah, yeah, they just like dusted a division rival and like just Jeff, just Jefferson's going to go home and play Grand Theft Auto. And, you know, we, Kevin O'Connell looks like he talks like a surfer, dude. And they've got these like real laid back vibe and it's really endearing. But now when you're losing and you feel that laid back, it makes it look like you don't care. And I'm not saying the Vikings don't care. I would never accuse the Vikings of not caring. So don't take me wrong. But it felt like the game really wore them down. And I didn't see that resiliency and that toughness that I think we all come to expect from the Minnesota Vikings. Go all the way back to the 70s. They're known for toughness. They're the the Icemen of the North. And in this game, they were soft. That's not acceptable. So hopefully they can pull it together. Go get right against the Lions like they have so many other years. But the Lions look good. Uh, we'll break down more of this. If I can get my hands on the table, break down more of this tomorrow. And then we will burn it. And we will go on to the Lions and the season goes on. Because ultimately, one out of 17. No matter how bad a night you're having, it can only ever be one out of 17 on your season. Now, there's a comfort in that. So I'll see you all there. In the meantime, check out patreon.com slash NFL. Check out uh, the Minnesota football party over on Lockdown Minnesota Sports. You can also check out the postcast. Um, I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.